0: Good morning, friends. It's so lovely to be with all of you this morning, and welcome to all of the new faces. Welcome to everyone who is here all the time. I love you all equally, so welcome. If I have not met you, my name is Rachel. I'm a pastor here, and yeah, it's great to be here. Um, if you are new to Central Vineyard, the Central Vineyard is a neighborhood church endeavoring to live like Jesus by gathering a community of prayer that engages suffering. And if you've been here any amount of time, you probably have felt that in your personal life or you've probably engaged with that in the different things that we do here at Central Vineyard. So we're really glad that you're here and we invite you to engage in that mission in what we do. And also happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Um, There's so many different types of amazing fathers, adoptive fathers, biological fathers, foster fathers, stepdads, those who long to be dads and those who are father figures to kids that are not their own. Um, And we just honor all of those different expressions of what it is to be a dad. Um, And we're also really grateful to God for all of the ways that God shows what it's like to be a dad, to be nurturing, to be compassionate, to be tender. Oh, and also all the pet dads, Andy, I'm looking at you. (laughs) We honor you today too. And we're really grateful for the ways that all of you dads love your families and how you're amazing examples to us. You are all amazing examples. Hi, Maggie. Hi. (laughs) She's talking to me. I see her. Um, You guys are amazing examples to Luis as he becomes a first time father. So happy Father's Day, first Father's Day. Um, And also, I figured that you guys would be itching to find out what our baby is. (laughs) Especially Kelly. Kelly has been pressuring me for weeks now to tell her what our baby is. Yeah. (laughs) So if you think it's a girl, raise your hand. a lot of a lot of team girl. If you think it's a boy, raise your hand. John, you already know. (laughs) We are having a baby boy. (laughs) Thank you guys. We're really, really excited, and we can't believe it. So um, we, when we read the results, we had a lot of peace. So it's really exciting, and we can't wait for him to be running around with all of the other, the other little, little kids here. So, Oh, also, Kelly has requested that we pray for her dad this morning. He had a fall this past week. On Monday, he broke his back in two places. Broke five ribs, and now he has COVID. So let's take a moment to lift Kelly's dad, Dave, up in prayer this morning. He's being a Debbie Downer, so he can use all the encouragement he can get. So let's pray for him this morning. God, we lift up your child, Dave, to you this morning. God, we ask for healing over his body, we ask for peace for his soul. We also ask for community to come around him so he doesn't feel alone during this time. So continue to bring healing to his body and show him how loved he is. Amen. All right. So for those of you who have been here for... Kelly... What? Okay. Kelly has a card that she's going to pass around that you can sign to encourage her dad. All right. So for any of you who have been here for any amount of time you know that we have been doing a study of Matthew. We're doing a deep dive into the Gospel of Matthew. We're taking time to engage in each part of the Gospel story and seeing the life of Jesus within the book of Matthew. So this week we are in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1-17, through 17, and I've asked my friend Helene to come up to read the Scripture this morning. It was going to be Maureen, but she told me she can't read the Scripture because she doesn't have her glasses. <laughs> it was so tiny, I tried to fit it on one page. I'm sorry, Maureen. Sorry, girl, I didn't mean to do you wrong with the scripture this morning.
1: (laughs) This is Matthew 8, 1 through 17. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, I'm realizing I've never pronounced that one before, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment.
0: All right, so Matthew 8 begins Jesus' acts of healing after his Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. So during this time, he shared a lot of really big ideas on lots of big topics, and now it's time for him to teach by example, which is him allowing his disciples to apprentice alongside of him and experience what he meant and what he taught on the mountain. So this is like his time to like get into the valley and do the work, so to speak. So this is a new and exciting time for the disciples to watch what Jesus meant, and also we see that they questioned all of it. They questioned all of what Jesus did, which is really funny because that feels familiar to us sometimes. And we see how Jesus puts into practice his teachings, which often looked very different than what the disciples and his followers were expecting them to look. So, Jesus' time on the mountain was spent teaching things like how to pray, how to love your enemies, how to serve without recognition, why it's important to not judge others and other kingdom of God values that the disciples and followers were all about, like very enthusiastically about, until it somehow became controversial to them when it was time to actually put them into play, (laughs) and when they saw Jesus living out those teachings, which, again, sounds familiar to... (laughs) some of the ways that Christians are when it comes to the of Jesus. So Katie's message last week was just brilliant and beautiful. Where is she? Oh, she's back there. Hi, Katie. I'm just saying that your message last week was amazing. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it on our Facebook page. Um, Her teaching from Matthew 7 was helpful for those who have experienced spiritual abuse, as she shared how the teaching of the narrow way can cause a lot of harm when used the wrong way. She shared that this narrow way actually leads to so much life and should not be something to fear or be used to control or drive fear into followers of the way of Jesus and his kingdom values. So chapter 7 ends with Jesus teaching as one with authority. Matthew 7:28 through 29 says, "When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And then as we go into chapter eight, it shows exactly what Jesus is going to do with his authority, which is to reach those on the fringes. He reached out to those who were poor, powerless, unseen, and outcasted. Jesus shows us the kind of people that he prioritizes. People who are named in the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful, and the persecuted. And so in chapter 8, verse 1 through 17, we see three different stories of Jesus healing someone within this category. So the first story that I want to mainly focus on today is the story of Jesus healing the man with leprosy. So leprosy is a skin disease that causes lesions um, on the skin. It can cause nerve damage, and it can also cause those with it to lose their limbs, and it's also very infectious. So those with leprosy were outcasted from every community that they were a part of before. If they were a part of a family, they were no longer able to be a part of their family because it was so contagious, whether they had a family that they're coming from or whether they had a family that they had their own, and they were seen as unclean. So any environment that they went into, they had to like publicly announce that they were unclean for people to know to stay away from them. and also, if they wanted prayer from like, a priest, they had to stay six feet away from them. And so they were so far away, and they did not have the joy of interacting with people who knew and loved them, and also people that they knew and loved. And I just imagine the lack of intimacy that the leper experienced, the lack of closeness. His identity was fully wrapped up in this idea of being unclean for such a long time. And Jesus could have just said a word to heal his leprosy, but Jesus chose to reach out and touch him, taking away this identity of being too unclean to be loved. And Jesus healed him. Out of the man with leprosy's desperation, he ran to Jesus, and Jesus embraced him and healed him. And I just wanna point out that this miracle of healing the man with leprosy was for the man with leprosy. Because we see later Jesus to t- telling him to not go and tell everybody that he had been healed. And so I think that is just such an amazing example that like, Jesus' healing of us and Jesus' interactions with us and the gifts that he gives us are for us. And I've, I've talked about this before, but I think me growing up in the church, I always felt that Jesus healing me or Jesus bringing me joy or giving me gifts was just to be given away like to turn around and give it away right away, which, I mean, thankfully I get to do in what I do, but that is just for me, and this was just for him. It was for him to know that he was loved and chosen. And like everybody else who witnessed this got to see that Jesus loved and chose him, and these are people who chose to not choose him. And so they were able to witness this, the radical inclusion of Jesus and Jesus' lack of fear of being identified with somebody who's unclean. Jesus met him with love and compassion and what we see so often is that the vulnerable, all the vulnerable want is to be seen. We see this with people who are houseless on the street. All they want is an interaction with somebody, for somebody to see them. This is what we see in immigrant communities and refugee communities. They just want somebody to see them and acknowledge them. And Jesus did a really, good at job, a really good job at seeing the vulnerable. It shows Jesus' willing character. Do you want to heal someone like me? Secondly, there's two other stories which I'm not going to talk about that much, but I do wanna to touch on really important pieces of these stories just to show the kinds of people that Jesus identified with and chose. So secondly, we see the story of Jesus healing the centurion's servant. We see that Jesus is amazed by the faith of the centurion and that the centurion believed that Jesus had the power to heal his servant from afar, that he didn't need to be there with him. We can see that the centurion was an esteemed person with soldiers who followed his orders and was respected by many but also hated by many. They were Roman soldiers who were not fond of the Jews and vice versa, they did not like each other. But the centurion's humility was very touching to Jesus. And Jesus responded to this humility. Jesus shows that his heart is for the unlikely, the hated, and the humble in this story. And the third example we see is a short story of Jesus healing Peter's sick mother-in-law who was sick in bed with a fever. This story has like absolutely no details, really. They just say that he healed her from her fever and she got up and started serving him. But I wanna highlight the importance of Jesus's loving care for women and the ways that Jesus saw women. And as I was researching this, it said that women in this time were not allowed to enter the temple. So Peter's mother-in-law would not have had access to Jesus or healing or this kind of prayer otherwise. So Jesus decided to come to her. So again, it's, it's just a beautiful example of Jesus' love and care and radical counterculture inclusion of women. So all of these stories were a part of fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah that he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So the prayer that um, Kim read this morning from this book, it's called Endless Grace. There's two books in this series, and they are prayers inspired by psalms. And the psalm was from 116 today. And so I love the inspired version, it's beautiful, but I wanted to read the actual scripture to you guys. It's Psalm 116, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath death wrapped its ropes around me the terrors of the grave overtook me i saw only trouble and sorrow then i called on the name of the lord please lord save me how kind the lord is how good he is so merciful this god of ours the lord protects those of childlike faith i was facing death and he saved me let my soul be at rest again for the lord has been good to me He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. These people are all liars. What can I offer to the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant, born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So as I was reading this scripture, like it just somehow fit together because the scripture like had no connection to this when Luis was looking for this scripture. Um, but I couldn't help but hear the voice of the man with leprosy in this psalm. The way that he was crying out to God and out to Jesus to save him and to heal him. Jesus does not cast away the vulnerable from him, those who are vulnerable, weak, or sick. He has compassion on us and is willing to heal. It's clear that God will not allow injustice, the afflicted, or suffering to go unaddressed. What kind of God is ours? not one who seeks unity with the rich and powerful, but one who identifies with the least of a culture, who reaches those most hated, feared, and on the fringes. This is God's heart, a radical inclusivity of all people and all emotions of the human experience. This is God's character, ways, and glory, and this is God's beauty. So how can this inform us as we go into this upcoming week? How can it inform our attachment to God? We've been talking a lot about this secure attachment to God recently. This is something that we've been meditating a lot on in the past months, um, and how anxious attachment can Be really harmful when it comes to our relationship with God. And so we're all trying to figure out ways that we can have the secure attachment with God. And so as we go into this week, we can know that God reaches us with compassion and our vulnerability. That God meets us with weeping when we weep. That God meets us in our joy when we experience joy. God meets us in our sorrows and ailments. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide from your spirit? You meet me there. Even the darkness is not dark to God. And a question we can ask is, are we willing to receive healing? Are we willing to reframe our attachment, our anxious attachment with God into a secure attachment to inform our thoughts and experience of ourselves and of God? Do we know that we can find healing and secure attachment to God? And what would healing look like for each of us today? And as a side note, I wanna say, like Katie talked a lot about how the narrow way can be used very harmfully, and I also think that scriptures about healing can be used really harmfully. Um, So I just wanna take some time to make space for that. For those of you who are dealing with chronic pain or struggle with mental health and mental health disorders, or have found yourself in abusive relationships or spiritually abusive situations. Passage about (laughs) healing can be really confusing. Um, It can be really normal to ask questions such as, why have I not been healed? Do I not have enough faith? And it can be really hard to watch other people be healed and you not. Or receive prayers for healing multiple times and still not see that healing come to fruition. Or seeing (laughs) other people have everything work out for them, and then it doesn't seem to work out for you. And I remember feeling this way during our lengthy immigration process, um, as my immigrant husband and I were separated for so long because of our paperwork. I remember begging God and pleading with God, like, God, why, why do you say that you give good gifts? but this isn't working out for us. And why does it seem like everything is working out for everybody else, but somehow not for us? So I'm very familiar with that and with feeling this deep anxiety and not finding healing from it. Um, Yeah. So I just wanna make space for those people who may be in that space of wondering why they haven't experienced healing yet to say that God cares about your pain and your suffering, that God sees you, that God desires healing for you, that God's character can be trusted, that God hears you, and that God prioritizes those on the margins and those who suffer, that he bears our infirmities. There are countless verses in the Bible that reflect God's heart for suffering, and those are on the fringes. You are not faithless because you have not experienced healing yet. And someday you will be healed and whole. And today we can hold on to the hope found in Psalm 146, 8 through 10. It says, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. The Lord cares for the orphans and widows, but frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. So we're going to move into prayer and communion now. So if you need prayer today, we are going to have people up along the sides um, that are trained to pray. And you are loved. God wants to meet you here today and to remind you that you are seen and loved. So please get prayer if if you need it. And before we take communion together, I would like to read this prayer over you. So however you feel comfortable receiving from God, whether that's closing your eyes or opening your hands, um, please feel free to position yourself that way. In anxiety, may you find peace. In sadness, may you find comfort. In sickness, may you find healing. In loneliness, may you find company. In, in busyness, may you find space. In listening, may you find wisdom. In following, may you find hope in the one who meets our needs, who, ask, who, who says, ask and you will receive. So we're going to take communion together this morning and everyone's welcome at our table. And as we lead into communion, I would love to read this liturgy about communion. Divine protector, defender of life, your love for this world is everlasting. As oceans burn and species go extinct, our children are made vulnerable at school and our neighbors are denied at our borders. There's so much reason to despair, but you, O God, refuse to abandon us to destruction. Christ takes on flesh. In the midst of struggle, you are glimpses of hope, encounters of freedom, tastes of what satisfies when so much leaves empty. In these incarnate moments, we sense the closeness of your kingdom. Holy one, God of justice and love, heaven and earth are full of your wonder. Hosanna among us, you, O God, reorder the world into right relationship. You lift high those made low, you humble the arrogant, you hear the earth groaning under capitalism and consumption and your fire burns in the hearts of your prophets with this hope and assurance we turn to the witness of jesus whose teachings reveal the way to liberation we seek his wisdom we practice his courage and we remember his radical commitment to love so on the night of his arrest jesus shared a meal with his companions He took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup, blessed it, and shared it, saying, This cup that is poured out is the new covenant. In remembrance of the love that saves us, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ was birthed among us, Christ was executed among us, and Christ rises again among us. May the Spirit come and settle upon these gifts, making this bread and this cup be for us a holy encounter, reminding us that Christ is with us, that resurrection is a promise granted to us, that the kingdom is always closer than we can imagine. May we be nourished, that we may nourish others. Amen. You may come up and receive communion.